Welcome to the Veterinary Viewfinder. This week, Future Models of Medicine. It's January 2017, and the future is here, like it or not. In this week's episode, we're going to discuss the emerging technologies and the impact it will have on the veterinary profession and the pets we love and care. I am joined, as always, with my co-host, Dr. Cindy Courtney, and veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. I'm Ernie Ward, and I'm really looking forward to exploring the future. I have to say, I know that there's a lot of exciting technologies out there, and I could barely pick my favorites to talk about for this upcoming year. Um, I, and I think everyone could probably agree with that. And I narrowed it down to, you know, one of my favorites, and I think probably one of the most useful tools that maybe isn't brand new, but is one of the leaders in example making for leading technology in apps going forward um, in the veterinary field. So um, I I kind of am excited about the Plums app, and I know everyone knows um, about the Plums veterinary drug manual, but may not know that they actually have a digital version. And we talk about some of the organizations that have been in the industry for a long time and how do they stay relevant. And I think this is a perfect example. These guys were able to take an everyday tool in what some veterinarians would even call a Bible and put it in a digital version. Um, and I, I, would, I would think you guys agree. Plums is a Bible? Absolutely. So, Becky... Already, you've jumped ahead a light year from me, and we are into the world of apps and how they apply to our day-to-day practice. So what you're saying is one of your big future models of medicine is going to be an app or digital-driven life. So tell me more about this, this Plum's digital you know, platform. What we know is that we're living in a digital era. I think more and more people, I know I live by my phone and my apps. It's how I manage my schedule. It's how I grocery shop. And it's even how I do a lot of my personal shopping. And we're finding computers leaving the exam room and it rolling over to iPads. And, you know, it used to be you can't have your phone on you at work. And now everyone has their phone because they have access to these apps that make their time management a hundredfold. Absolutely. I mean, apps can certainly impact our lives. And, and Cindy, as a veterinarian out there in the, the wilds of associate land, how are you seeing apps and different digital you know, platforms impact your day-to-day practice? Oh my gosh, I love them. So a couple different things. So I also adore the, the Plums app. I use it on a regular basis because our physical copy of the Plums book is always missing. It's very popular. (laughs) So one of our technicians has it or one of the other doctors has it. So mine is also on my smartphone so I can access those drugs that I always forget the dose because I use it just often enough that I need it regularly, but not often enough for me to have that dose memorized. So I put those in my favorites, like amoxicillin leptospirosis dose. For some reason, that one is just not (laughs) going to stick into my brain. So I have that one favorited and I actually have a little note on there even of exactly what that dose is so I can get to it quickly. So that's one of my favorites. I also adore the apps that allow me to show clients um, test results 
on our phones. So if I have blood work or if I have a cytology result or even x-rays and I can bring that right into the exam room with the client and show them, give them some tangible results of what's going on with their pet or even email it to their spouse right there in the room, that makes my job so much easier. I have to agree with that. And I know when, as a technician, I can avoid interrupting my doctor's busy schedule by utilizing some of the apps that I have. ASPCA has a great app that is a poison control and a pet poison reference guide. And I've been able to field a lot of phone calls from owners who are concerned about something that they're pet has ingested that I can access easily on this app and find out if this is a toxin. And for some of the uh, toxins, I can actually find out what level of toxin we might be dealing with. And I think that's really one of the the biggest takeaways from the app immersion that we are starting to experience as a profession is one, it allows us more instantaneous access to information. I mean, you mentioned the books being, you know, taken on one side of the hospital or somebody, you know, has it stuck in the bathroom. I mean, that's a problem that plagues everyone. Now it's in your pocket. It's with you always. The second thing is the ability to transmit and share data information with our clients. And Becky, you already kind of hinted at it, but it's our lives are governed by our smart devices. Like it or not, there's good and bad with this. It makes us efficient in some ways. And then perhaps it's uh, changing the way we think and act and, and relate to others and others. But for me, the ability to take that bit of information, whether it's a blood test, a urinalysis, a radiograph, and say instantly, this is going to be in your phone, on your iPad, on your computer email, when you get home, that is worthwhile. So we all agree that's a definite future model of medicine. I only see this sort of morphing, and I think that leads me to my next sort of question is the role of virtual veterinary visits and telemedicine. Cindy, what are you seeing out there, or what do you think is going to happen over the next year or two with telemedicine in the veterinary profession? Absolutely. So I think we're already seeing some intermediary steps where uh, clients are being able to pull back a little bit with being as dependent on getting their veterinarian immediately on the phone. Um, One, more vets are available by text or available by email. We talked about that a little bit in our boundaries episode. Uh, Some vets are making those options available to clients because they know clients want them. Um, There are some places that are working with veterinarians to make apps available to say, hey, you want to put yourself out there. You want to be available to your clients after hours so that maybe they're not going somewhere else. Um, There are also apps like VitusVet is one of the ones I get really excited about where clients can have their medical records with them on a regular basis. So if they end up at the emergency room, they have that important medical information with them. Um, I was lucky enough to work in an area that had that when it first started coming out. Helps save lives. So if the emergency clinician knows about pets' allergies or knows about medications they've responded to poorly in the past. So I, I like seeing those early steps so far. Right. And I think the biggest obstacle to this transition has been the definition of the patient veterinarian client relationship. I mean, this is is fraught with regulations and oversight. And, and quite frankly, we don't have clear answers and understanding. Um, many of you know, uh, I was part of, and there's a lot going on with the American Veterinary Medical Association. There's a been a committee convened around telemedicine with the intent to create some clarity around this issue. And we'll have to wait and see what the final uh, board acts on. But uh, I want to share with you an, uh, an email. Actually, this was a, a Facebook uh, message that I received today. 
uh, that is incredibly timely. It tells you why this is going to happen in very medicine and how much we have got to move on this. Spent the early part of the morning on hold trying to find out if I could get a doctor's appointment today. I've had a nagging sinus infection. I decided just to go there when there was no answer, and I found that the clinic was very busy and there were no open parking spots. I went to work wondering how was I going to find uh, time to fit in an appointment and get all the work I needed to get done today. I mentioned all of this to a colleague, name, name is omitted, uh, and she gave me the best advice ever. The online doctor network our health insurer promotes. Wow! It took less than 10 minutes to sign up, wait in queue, and then have a web chat with the doctor, including going, ah, up close to my laptop camera, must have looked pretty funny to anybody walking by, and ended up being prescribed some antibiotics in case the recommended neti pot and Sudafed doesn't work. This is my kind of technology. That is a real-world example that I received today via social media, and it just underscores where this has happened, where, where this thing is going. And it's already happened. <laughs> That's what I was trying to say. It's already happened, and our clients yeah. are experiencing this, and they are demanding it. Becky, what's your thought on what I just shared with you? That's a real-world experience. And, and how do we move forward as a profession? Because we don't seem to know. You know, I think it's like anything else. You, you've got to look at your good and your bad. I think these opportunities are driving pets to the clinic when they need to be seen, and they may be diverting some cases that don't need to be seen, just sort of troubleshooting off the cuff. I don't think in veterinary medicine we've gotten to where we're actually prescribing over telemedicine, and I don't know how I feel about getting to that. Um, I know as a person, though, I can advocate for my own health and sort of talk with a professional about my history, and yes, I know what I am allergic to and not allergic to, so I feel a little safer on the human side. I think it's convenient. I think it's required, and I think we're going there whether we like it or not. And I think that is the important takeaway. So, Cindy, as an associate veterinarian, you just heard this story, and I'm sure you've encountered this exact same scenario in your real life. What do you think this means for our profession moving forward? Yeah, and when people are experiencing that themselves for human medicine, it's they're going to start expecting it for their pets easily. It, it's very clear. And as veterinarians, we recognize there's often a big difference between human medicine and veterinary medicine. I go into the human doctor. I don't always get a full physical exam. Most of the time in animal medicine, we're giving a thorough physical exam because we don't have a patient sitting in front of us who can give us a verbal history. We've got to look and feel the animal, get a lot more information that way. So, But our clients might not understand why that's so different. You can't necessarily just hold Fluffy up to the camera and, and get right. as much information. <laughs> I can't necessarily feel their belly. I can't look down in the ear with an otoscope. I can't get an ear cytology. So it underscores the importance of us doing good physical exam, teaching the value uh, that way. But if we don't start explaining that to clients, um, and I think, as Becky mentioned, providing some options that they can get on the phone and then we can explain why that physical exam in person could be important for their pet given what they're describing. I think we're going to start uh, having some people willing to do things we maybe aren't comfortable with. Right. And as a future model of veterinary medicine, I am here to state once again, unequivocally, this is the future. Like it or not, we need to accept it 
And we need to be very clear with what the boundaries are in order to ensure the safety and efficacy of our treatments. Because like uh, Cindy mentioned, we can't just tell the dog to say, ah, in the camera. We have to do a better job at articulating, explaining what our physical exams really are doing, what we're actually learning, and then why that's important for us to physically, you know, interact with that dog or cat or horse or whatever. I, I... I will tell you, I am torn on this. I think that it even gets deeper. One of the things I was very concerned about was where does legal liability reside? So if you're using a a person who is in another state, who's liable? What happens if something goes wrong? Sydney, what do you think about all of that? Yeah, I think those legal liabilities become very tricky because the the laws can be so different between state to state and what happens if one state has a lot more lax laws. Um, One of the interesting things I think could help is, again, being proactive instead of reactive. We talk about preventive medicine instead of reactive medicine. How can we be proactive about these challenges instead of reactive to them? I know you had been talking recently about voice, which no longer exists, but uh, health monitors for pets that have become more prevalent are one of those ways that you know, we can be moving into people's homes and be proactive about looking for health problems and then calling them and asking them to come into our hospitals to get more information about what's going on with their pet. I think that's an interesting turnaround to this problem. Could we be more into the home to then call them into us instead of waiting for them to access us digitally in the first place? Which, Cindy, you lead me to my next future model of veterinary medicine, and that is in-home visits. Like it or not, love it or hate it, clients want convenience. And no matter what we try to do as a, as a profession to dispel the, the challenges of bringing your dog or cat into the vet, it's still a drag for a lot of people. So I continue to see the emergence and expansion of in-home care. In fact, you know, I've, it's no secret I've had a company. We've been desperately trying to get veterinarians to come along with us on this journey. And if you want to know more, please contact me. It's fetchvet.com. But regardless of that plug, in-home care, Becky, I see great, great opportunities for technicians uh, and pets. What do you think? I think it's, Is it a future model? I think it is. I think it's so important. And I'm going to tell you, not only is this a matter of convenience, which is great and sounds wonderful, What about more accurate medicine? I can take blood from a patient in their home and get a lower glucose because they haven't been stressed out for the last hour. I can get into the home and get a more accurate blood pressure because they're relaxed and laying on their bed chewing on a Kong toy. So this to me, it gives us the opportunity for our patients to get the most accurate numbers when it makes a huge difference. I want to play a little bit of devil's advocate, which is in small animal medicine, we don't necessarily have the problem some of our large animal colleagues do, which is the round up problem, which is many of our large animal colleagues get to the farm and find that it's very difficult to get the patient, that some pets are still scared, some animals are, are still nervous and wary even when they're on their home turf. So um, I'm interested to see how home veterinarians are, or home visit veterinarians are encountering those challenges too. 
Right. Well, as a person who has done quite a bit of in-home care, I can tell you that round them up problem does exist. Uh, with our company, we actually had several mechanisms in place to ensure that they were rounded up by the time our veterinarians showed up. But uh, regardless, it is a real, real issue. Uh, I like it so much that you know we actually have a, a trademark. It's called situational veterinary care because we, like Becky, have found that when you go into the home, you see the animal in a completely different context and you're able to get better behavioral assessments, better lifestyle interventions. You're able to assess nutrition and feeding habits. I mean, I got to tell you, for me, another future model moving forward is going to be in home. So you don't have that problem anymore where you ask what food the pet is on and they're like, it's in the yellow bag. That's right. Because you go to the cupboard and you open it up and you go, hey, there's 18 different types of treats in here. (laughs) Oh, but I don't give any of those. We've talked about telemedicine. We've talked about home visits. I'd say the one thread, and we touched on this at the very beginning, is that convenience. But like Becky said, it's more than just convenience. It's about connectivity. And I, when we talk about that connectivity, I think we sometimes forget as veterinarians, well, obviously we want to have be medical professionals advocating for the care of pets. I think we also sometimes discount the power of other uh, pet health advocates out there in the world. Um, on social media, the more I get involved, the more we see people sharing information and saying, hey, that was my pet had that kind of issue. Um, I have done some work with Clinician's Brief and these great medical educators, and we see pet owners saying, this was an issue my dog dealt with. I'm going to share this with all my friends so that if their pet has diabetes, they know what to do as well. So people want good medical information. They want to share that with their friends. Let's take advantage of that, put that information out there. And um, I love pet sitters. Pet sitters are often in the home every day. They can also be really good advocates for these patients. So let's, let's take advantage of that connectivity. Right, which gets back to your point, Cindy, of saying, okay, look, we've got to try to work together, collaborate to get as much information and contact with it. The key for our profession, and I will continue to hammer this home as I have for the past 25 years, is we have to be the center of the healthcare paradigm. And right now, we have lost our focus. We are no longer included as the primary information source for many of these issues and and conditions and, and advice. So, Veterinarians, veterinary technicians, please remember we are fighting desperately for relevancy and we've got to do a better job. What I'm surprised by sometimes when I reach out to these other groups and these other folks working in the pet care field is that often they haven't even heard from a veterinarian lately. Um, You know, we complain a lot about people at pet stores and breeders and, and sometimes pet sitters who are giving unsolicited advice, but often they're not getting any outreach at all from their local veterinarians to get good advice. And sometimes I'll talk with them about sometimes maybe the dangers of raw food and how that can be harmful. And they're shocked. They haven't heard that from anybody. No vet has reached out to tell them that. So can we put ourselves more at the center too by sometimes reaching out and trying to place ourselves there? And I think we have a good opportunity here to that point for client education and making sure that we know what uses our owners are having of technology. What apps are they using? What websites are they accessing? It gives us an opportunity to talk with our clients about what sources and redirect them to the better source if, they, if they're if they not utilizing one that we think is the best resource. 
Okay, I'd like to shift gears a little bit now. We've talked about sort of the future models and some of these emerging technologies. And maybe let's talk uh, in just a couple of minutes about some of the other changes outside our profession that are going to influence us. And the thing I'd like to kick off, I believe this year is going to be the year of artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence in the in the realm of what, what they call in, in computer and programming world as natural language they uh, the ability for you to talk to a device in a natural language format so you say hey alexa i add uh you know podcast to my 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 uh schedule or whatever or what's the uh weather going to be when's my next appointment with the veterinarian so natural language interfaces are going to continue to emerge and i think this has significant potential impact on how veterinary services are delivered what I see happening over the next two years is most of our phone calls will be routed to some sort of some sort of automated device, and it's already happening. You know, the bigger companies certainly have been using it for years, but I think it's going to get so good that you're going to have a hard time distinguishing between what's real and what's robotic. Cindy, what do you think about the role of artificial intelligence and how that's going to impact our future model of vet medicine? Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, especially if it gets to the point that you can't tell. I think right now there's some level of frustration when you encounter uh, robocalls or you're funneled through an answering service. You feel like it takes longer. You feel like a human being could answer your question a bit faster. Um, and it takes away a little bit of a level of personalization when I think many of us encounter those systems right now. But if that significantly changes and you get to your question faster, it certainly saves money and might get you to an answer uh, quickly. Well, let me just throw out one thing for you, too. We've seen consolidation within the veterinary profession. I mean, this is happening mm -hmm. in every type of business. Yeah. So corporatization, people. Imagine now you own 300 clinics. And imagine if you could condense every phone call into one loco location. And maybe you only hired 20 people, but they were filtered through an AI type of device. Can you imagine how much more efficient it would be? I'm not saying it's better. I'm not saying it's worse. But I think if you start to consider it in that realm, you start to go, oh, wow, yeah, that's probably going to happen a lot faster than we imagined. Becky, thoughts on, on what I just said there? Well, other than being completely creeped out about the whole concept of not knowing if I'm talking to a person, <laughs> I think of those, like, what is it, the Discover commercial where they're talking to themselves on the on the other right. one, that's what I'm picturing. But I have to say, I really believe strongly in, in work smarter and not harder, and I'm thinking about clients being able to maybe phone in and schedule an appointment without actually having to get on the phone with the receptionist for something quick and simple, like I need a 15 minute um, nail trim sometime between two and four on Thursday. Uh, right. So I, I can see this being really a benefit, but again, you know, we always worry about the impact on the job industry and, and our, our staff. Yeah. And with that example you just cited, Becky, I think of the challenges we have with scheduling in the first place. When that 15-minute nail trim then turns into, oh, yeah, by the way, it's also lost five pounds in the, the past you know week. So 
how much will the robotic system be able to account for that? I think that that's a challenge too. Right. But Cindy, I'll jump in as a longtime practice owner. And and that's the dilemma that's not going to be solved by artificial intelligence or or human human intelligence. Right. Because I've been dealing with that for 25 years. So I think what's going to happen is as consolidation continues to occur in our profession, you're going to see more efficiencies and people are going to say, okay, I can take this call center and make it. In fact, this is already happening with one of the major uh, players in our space. We're just going to consolidate the call center and start to route. And and what they're doing, Becky, is like you said, for the simple things, it can go to a more universal type of call center. And for the more specific, it can go back to the local hospital. So very, very exciting times. The last thing I'd like to talk about today before we kind of get out of here is, um, you know, where, where does this all end up? I mean, if you could look into the future, Cindy, what is a veterinarian doing even five years from now? So it's now 2022. What does your job look oh like? Gosh, I was I joke with my husband that both of us do significant amounts of work in fields that did not exist when we were born. So he works on the Internet. He's a network architect. I joke he makes the Internet go faster. And I do a good amount of work in social media in addition to being a veterinarian and neither one of us could have expected that either of those things existed when we were born so uh it's fun to try and predict the future but i'm humbled by our inability to do it sometimes i think you're right we're at that inflection point on the the curve of exponential change where your husband works in a field that didn't exist when he was born five years from now the change is so accelerated as in our profession that I'm having a hard time getting my head around it. Becky, what about techs? Are we still going to need you? You're still going to have a job in five years? Are you still going to have a job in five years? (laughs) That, I think, is a better question. Technicians are taking over the industry. Can you think about... 20 years ago, any technicians who own their own companies, who had their own businesses, who were entrepreneurs, um, who were certified veterinary practice managers or, you know, certified canine rehabilitation therapists, we have got a glass ceiling or, you know, that has been removed. We, the sky's the limit. Technicians are going to be owning, running and, and being leaders in this industry. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers to that. And speaking of breaking glass ceilings, uh, as we think toward the future, we wanted to wrap up by talking about our dreams for the future of veterinary medicine. When we think about what the future of veterinary medicine looks like, what do you hope it will look like going forward? Well, for me, I want to see pets everywhere. Uh, I know I've talked about this in several different uh, areas, but I want to see more pets at grocery stores, at restaurants, in human hospitals, everywhere we go, because the more access we have to live and bond and relate to our pets, the better it's going to be not only for our profession, but I think for the human species. So when you ask me what my dream is, it is to have my pets accompany me everywhere. And it's not looked at as something funny, like, wow, that guy's walking his dog in an airport. Wow, that guy's walking his dog up to the the restaurant. I want it to be normal. That's my real dream. Mine is making sure that as soon as somebody considers getting a pet, we start getting them the information that they need to care for that pet appropriately. That would be my dream. We feel like we're constantly feeling we get the information to people too late. And if I had a mind reading device that as soon as it even flickers into somebody's brain, um, that we could start talking with them about saving money, about how to care for that pet properly, that would be my dream. 
Well, I hate to be self-motivated for technicians, but I'm going to be. And I have to say my dream is that we have, it's one of equality for our profession in understanding what our role is and being properly utilized in, in the profession. There are a lot of leaders in this industry who are stepping up and saying technicians are the future of veterinary medicine and we're backing them for who they are and what they do. Um, and you know, to that point, uh, brief media is one who supports technicians strongly and the plums veterinary manual has gone ahead and offered 30 free days to all of our listeners. Um, and that includes veterinary technicians. So if you have to borrow your doctor's phone on a regular basis to grab the, uh, dosage that you need, you can actually get your own 30 day free trial and, um, you can go to plums veterinary drug com and use the code VETVIEWFINDER30 to get that. And that's through the month of January. So thank you for that and for giving us an opportunity to access that great tool. Okay, guys, we've shared our views. Now we're looking forward to hearing yours. Connect with us on Facebook at Veterinary Viewfinder or Twitter at VETVIEWFINDER. Thank you for listening. See you right here next week for another great episode of the Veterinary Viewfinder. Do it all.